What's going on, friend? It is Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. I'm really grateful and excited to present you with this self-improvement sit-down. As you may know already, every weekday I share a short and sweet personal development observation, exercise, perspective, or concept in only two minutes. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already to incorporate consistent opportunities for self-growth in your life. You know, consistency is key. But today's episode is different because in self-improvement sit-downs, I have longer conversations with experts in their industry to cover the subtler details about their philosophies and learn straight from the source what it is about them that makes them so great. So let's jump in. This is self-improvement sit-down number 55 with Brian Rashid. And we are live. Today's guest is my name brother, Brian Rashid. Brian is a modern-day branding, marketing, and communications expert. He's the founder of Uniendo Las Americas, an initiative that gives entrepreneurs in Latin America access to Silicon Valley resources and connections. He's a sought after keynote speaker and writer with a really special place in my heart as a mentor because it was Brian who encouraged me to start building my personal brand, which all led me to starting this podcast more than three years ago. Name brother, thank you so much for the role that you've played in my life to date. And thanks for chatting with me again today. Brian, it is always a pleasure to be with you, my man. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. Congrats on all you have going on. Very, very inspiring. Thanks, brother. So something um, that really caught my attention just the day that I met you um, is how much of a global citizen you are. You know, you're fluent in English and Spanish. You do business in English and Spanish. And it's really interesting because with kind of being out of your element at times, you just really bring your enthusiasm no matter what, right? Like you have this contagious way about you. And I think that kind of comes back to a lot of the work that you do with companies, which is kind of helping people to find their authentic voice, just like, you know, you've been able to find yours in two different languages. So what, like, what has that done for you? What has that process been like and kind of honing in on who you are and what your voice is so you can share it with others? Yeah, I, I think that for, for me, learning Spanish was one of the greatest decisions that I've ever made in life. And I think that you, you, you nailed it with the, even the way that you framed up the question around, you know, when you're navigating in different languages and, and different languages can be, you know, linguistic, can be language itself, Spanish, English, Italian, Chinese, Arabic, whatever. But it can also be like, do you connect more with nature? Do you connect more with the city? Do you, do, are you more of a speaker? Are you more of a writer? Are you more of a listener? So language has all these different ways of, of manifesting. And so when I was learning Spanish, I quickly realized that this idea of being able to cross-culturally connect was the most powerful thing that I could participate in. And, and it was, it's been the truest gift. And so when I think through what that means for myself and for other people that I work with, it, it really comes down to if you stripped all of it away, right? Like if you, if you don't understand what somebody's saying in, in, a, in a village in the Dominican Republic, but you stripped it all away, what would be left? Hmm. And it's usually this deep desire for connection. It's usually this deep desire for love. It's usually this deep desire to have some sort of purpose and contribution. And, 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 and when you come at the world and when you come at business through that lens, then all of a sudden things start to get really interesting because you're less worried about what is the image that you're putting out because it's going to be construed and perceived in so many different ways 
that that people are going to start to think, uh, you know, what is at the core? What is it that I feel? And so when I, when I'm working with people, when I'm thinking about that for myself, it, that is ultimately the question that, that I come down to, which is what am I trying to communicate? That is the truest form of myself. If you stripped everything else away, and then what do you want? What do I want? What do I hope that people feel knowing that you can't really control what people feel, but you can control what you hope that they feel right. We mm-hmm. did a fun little interaction right before we started. It was 11, 11 AM. You said, let's make an intention. Let's make a wish. And my wish was that you knew how grateful I was for you. That is the baseline of the podcast. Like whatever else happens after that, if that, if that gets met, then for me, this conversation was already successful and then having that as a jump is, is a launching place is something that I think everyone that's building a brand, a business, an organization, a message should think about. What is it that I want to share and what is it that I hope that people feel? Wow. What I heard there is that your voice is unspoken, which is a really interesting concept. You know, you think of voice as being communicated externally, but Sure, it's being communicated externally, but not through your vocal cords. It's the energy that is carried within the words that you're choosing, right? So it's like there is this larger context, this larger piece of the puzzle of when you're communicating. It's the enthusiasm. It's the way you approach it. It's the intention that then gives context to what you're trying to say. It's fascinating. Yeah, and think about it this way as well, Brian. It's like, think about momentum. I'm a big fan of, I love movement. I love motion. I love momentum. And that's something that's been, people always said, what kind of advice would you give me if I was just starting my own business? And, and my answer is lately really been just follow the momentum, you know, little wins, little wins, little wins, a speaking thing here, a, cl- a new client here, uh, a feel good moment here, a victory here, these little wins. And so you can bring as much enthusiasm as you want into a situation, but if there's not authentic, genuine momentum behind it, and meaning if that's actually not who you are, and all of a sudden you're trying to push a message. You know, I've known you for many, many years now. And your momentum is you've always shown up as a kind, caring individual who's always working on himself, who's always pushing the people around him to be better in a very beautiful, kind, subtle, gentle way. And, and so that, that energy just shows up. There's no way that that energy is not going to show up because it's so deep at your core. And that energy becomes the thing that people read without you even having to speak it because it's just so deeply you. So if you were to show up and you were to start to be a jerk or, 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 or this really abrasive, you know, alpha, then I would, I, I would feel that that was off. I would feel that that energetically, even though you were speaking to me in a very specific way, I would, as someone that's in touch with what I feel, and, 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 and a lot of people are, have great intuition. So th- that automatically kind of gets, that, that, that feeling comes, and then you have an, a visceral reaction of, I don't trust this guy, or I do trust this guy. And when we think through branding, it's ultimately like, do I trust the person that's selling me something, or do I not? You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've bought so many things, services, products, I've followed advice from people that I've never even looked into anything more than what they've told me is true, because I just trust them. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought kind of intuition into that response because there there's something unspoken about intuition that just needs to be trusted, you know, and 
And thank you, thank you for the, the compliments too. I, I think the same about you. I really appreciate that. Um, but but yeah, back to kind of like intuition, this kind of like intuitive momentum. It's like you almost need to know what's right. And there is that intuitive sense of this, the energy is pointing this way. This is what I feel is aligned. This is what I feel is different. Where is that dissonance coming from, right? So you got to kind of like rectify that and and be really still and kind of aware and conscious of the way that things are starting to just unfold. Um, and then another piece to it, because you're talking about brand, right? And, and how brand is kind of carrying some of this energy. You know, I think if you relate that, you know, instead of it being a business sense, more a personal sense is your identity. You know, a, a brand is simply a business's identity. Your identity also carries your voice. It carries this intuition and it cultivates this momentum that you were describing. And, and there's kind of a, a larger kind of context to that that I think is relevant too is, you know, if you have trust and faith in that identity, in that intuition, in what you believe to be true, then you're more credible. Then more people see that authentically in you. And you're actually, you know, kind of stronger in the way you present yourself because you're more believable because you so deeply believe it. Um, and that's kind of what your voice is when people stand up, right? You stand up for what you believe in. It's because you believe in it and other people can feel it, right? They listen to what you say, but they feel what you say too. And that's just a rounding out that kind of um, that full layer of what this means to kind of speak up. And you had, and you said two words that really jumped out at me there that I think are brilliant. And they're, they're oftentimes seem like they're juxtapositions, which is stillness and strength. Mm. Even just the recap that you just did was so important because there, there, there is, there is, there's often a dissonance between what we're told and what we feel. And if you feel that, if you have this moment of, I, I hear something and I don't fully believe it. The greatest thing that you can do is nothing. Hmm. And, and, and this is where I get into trouble sometimes. And this is where I see a lot of people getting into trouble, which is the minute you feel dissonance or discomfort, what we want to do instead of nothing is we want to take instant, immediate, drastic action or decision. And, 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 and that is just simply a, an act of, of not honoring your process and not honoring your own deep feeling. And if, if you are confused about something, if something feels a little bit off, there is a very specific reason for that. It's because something in you is screaming. And instead of getting down on ourselves about being confused, what we should do is, is honor that confusion and just wait in stillness. And that is the ultimate way to build strength. And, 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 and most people are, are confused about this. They think that I have to, I have to be a man of action, a woman of action. And I have to just act, 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 go, 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 do, do, do. And this, this whole, like, you know, rat race that we've gotten caught up in of, I need to always be doing, always be productive. Stillness means I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's like that phrase is, it's so toxic to culture. Mm. And, 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 and so this idea of how can I rest, be still and know that that's actually going to make me the absolute strongest version of myself. So it was really cool that you picked up on that. And I, and I, I've never even heard it really framed that way. So that, thank you for that. But it is really important. If you feel like you need to make a decision now, you probably shouldn't make a decision now. Yeah. And I, I greatly appreciate that clarification because I am someone who is an advocate for take action, right? If you want something to be different, do something different. And there's a time and place for that. But what you're describing is it needs to be the right action. It needs to be intentional action. So if you're in this space where you're unsure, instead of just going and doing something and, you know, I have a tendency for actually going and taking action beyond what I should be doing and just make things worse. You know, that's something that I'm trying to gain awareness on is one of my weaknesses. 
So instead of being in that moment and feeling accountable to, oh, well, I want to do something different. I want to be something different. I'm, you know, here I go. Instead of, you know, really being so fixed and rigid in that response pattern, take a step back, evaluate, figure out what the ideal is. What do you actually want from this? Take your time to get an answer before you pursue a solution. You know, so I, I think that's a really important compliment to a lot of the things that I talk about, about taking action, because there needs to be this intentional action kind of component and, to it. And, you know, also I'm, I'm a huge fan of taking action. I do, I do a lot. I have a, I have a lot of projects going on. I'm involved in a lot of things. I'm very, very action oriented. I was a college athlete. We have that in common. It was just this idea of, 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 of constant motion. But what I've realized is like stillness is also momentum. And this, this going back to this idea of momentum, stillness is also momentum, you know, and, and, and most people that I know that are so quote unquote busy, you know, and that's another, I've become very aware of language, which is something that, you know, how are you doing? I'm so busy. I'm like, well, that, that sounds like you're off balance. Like if that's your first answer. So a lot of people are filling their agendas and their calendars to be busy and to do, 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 because they actually are so uncomfortable with the stillness. Mm. They actually are so, so uncomfortable with the things that might come into their mind when they're still, you know, people say, Oh, sitting still makes me meditation makes me anxious. It's just, it's like, well, that is actually the number one indicator that you should probably be paying attention to why you should be meditating more. And so I'm not opposed to people going and going and going and going and doing and doing and doing and doing. I just don't want people to do it if it means that they're doing it to, it's in the same way that people abuse drugs and alcohol to numb themselves. You know, manic action is also an addiction. And it's also something that people are doing to take themselves out of their own reality as fast as they possibly can because they're being productive and it makes them feel better. But what I'm saying is just be aware that if you're doing things because you love them and you want to advance them, which I think is the case for you, that's beautiful. And I do a lot of that as well. If you're doing them to fill your calendar so you don't actually have to deal with yourself, then take a step back, try and sit a little bit more in the stillness, knowing that that is the ultimate momentum in your case. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I I think the goal is not to be busy. Like that's such a right. profound idea. Like your goal isn't to be busy. The, the goal is to be productive. And yes, like being productive requires your time, but it's spending your time on the right things. It's not just filling the calendar. Actually, I, the I love goal, that distinction. You know, I'm, I'm going to even push back on that a little bit. I don't think the goal is to be productive. I think that's a very like industrial complex mentality. I think the goal is to be a contributing member of society with your, with your skills and your talents and to find happiness in that. I, I'm glad that you kind of challenged me on that because- when I say productivity, and this is a developing definition, but you know, when I think of productivity, I don't think of it just in terms of how am I moving the needle and the things that I care about most professionally. You know, that's I think productivity is taking that lens. When I think of productivity, I think of life happiness, life progress. You know, like I, I see it as productive, and you know, I do this on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. You know, I have two hours carved out to have date night with my girlfriend, right? And it's that is productive time for me because that's what I want to do is how I want to spend my time. So I think there is some learning to be done around kind of the definition of productivity and how that's a pursuit, you know, because it, it could be more balanced than, you know, the traditional definition of it. Well, you're, you're almost like re, you're almost reconstructing how we view productivity culturally. Right. And that's right. I think that's beautiful. I think the challenge is 95% of the people hear the word productivity and they think, what am I doing, 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 doing? And so right. I think that someone like you that has a lot going on that has, that does have a pretty cool balance and feels very grounded most of the time, then that new definition of productivity coming from someone like you, I think is important. I think that the, 
and it is a responsibility I think that we have as people that are, you know, fit figures in the, on the, on social media or in our communities or whatever the case may be that we start to deprogram this idea of what productivity means. So yeah, I'm delighted to hear that that's how you're thinking about it. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up kind of how language is a powerful force, you know, because, you know, one of the projects that I'm working on for purpose, you know, our, our goal and our mission is to modernize what the word philanthropy means, you know, so it's, there are certain associations and ways of being around these terms that we use, but, you know, those are only just kind of collective understandings of what it should mean versus what it actually means or what it can mean. So just understand that there's a dynamic element to it. I, I do think it's a responsibility on our end, um, not only to kind of, you know, practice what we preach in, you know, trying to modernize these definitions, but also to educate on how we, in our perspective on how these definitions are molding. So cool. I'm, I'm glad we're correcting each other on that. For sure. Um, so some, something that um, kind of builds off of this idea of taking action and something that's central to your TEDx talk, which I've watched a number of times and I referenced you in mine. So we've got, you know, that <laughs> we've got that wonderful connection, um, but is the idea of taking risk because, you know, there's this interesting element where you're saying, you know, risk is absolutely important. You know, you can always go back. You can always kind of find a middle ground or, or kind of retreat back to comfort, you know, because risk is discomfort. But at the same time, there's this element of stillness where it's you need to know what risks are appropriate. And I'm just curious to know how kind of the idea of risk ties into some of the conversation we just had. So th there's a couple of things, right? This is, and, and you know, quantifying risk usually in, in my world right now usually means like, like, should I start my own business? You know, <laughs> this is the question that I get a lot from people. Should I, when is it time for me to start my own business, right? So, and then, and then, but there's a couple things, there's a couple ways I think about risk. So the first thing about risk is I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a big dreamer, but I'm also very practical. And so the first thing that I would say is like, you need to actually figure out what you need to live a, a life that's not going to stress you out and put you into an anxiety or a panic attack because nobody enjoys that. Like these people are like, I love having no money because it makes me creative. That is a, that is an exception. I, I know very few people that thrive on this idea that I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent this month. So the first thing you need to do is you need to, you need to figure out what do I need for me, for my family, for my partner, for my whatever, my church, my community? What do I need to have? What are the needs that I need to have met for me to feel okay? Because mental health is really important whenever you're jumping into anything new, mm. right? So th that that's going to vary. I mean, that that varies tremendously for every person. What I will say is I think that we need a lot less than we think. What happens with a lot of people is, they're, they, they, they become accustomed to a lifestyle, right? And, and I've done this too. You get, you get a certain amount of paycheck or, or you're making a certain amount of money every month. And so then all of a sudden your expenses kind of match that. Like you make 10 grand a month. So now you're spending eight grand a month, but really you would be totally happy and your needs would be met with three or four. So the first thing that I, that I always say to people that are about to jump into the unknown, especially as an entrepreneur is, identify what your needs are for real, for real, for real. Like, what do you really need? And then figure out a way to get those needs met, right? So if you can get those needs met, then go for the risk. Like there's really no risk if you can figure out how to do that, right? And then this, but this, the second part that, that, that I think is maybe more interesting for me as a dreamer 
is when I'm thinking through new projects or new ideas, I think to myself, what is the balance between what I'm willing to risk and the, the downside of it all? And, and I think a lot about like, if this goes wrong, what about it will probably almost definitely go right. And is the thing that goes right more important to me than if, if all of it goes wrong. And this is where like my, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge optimist. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I really, I'm, I'm an optimist, but this is where like my cynical brain comes in, which is like, if everything goes wrong, is it still worth it because of these kind of almost guaranteed rights? So I'll give you an example. So this Uniting the Americas project that you mentioned, right? This Uniting the Americas is a, is a project that I started three years ago where I, where I look for entrepreneurs in Latin America that have social impact projects. And I have largely funded it by myself. And it's been a very, you know, it's been six figure investment, right? And, 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 and then, and, and I, I, I get nothing in return financially from this, right? So I bring people to the US, I introduce them to venture capitalists, I introduce them to executives at cool progressive tech companies. Uh, we, you know, have mentorship and exposure and we create content for them. And so in my mind, before I did that, and I knew it would probably be about $100,000 over the course of a few years of investment between teams and travel and scholarship money, et cetera. I thought to myself, like, at the end, if I've paid six figures and, and nothing else happens for me, what, what is, it, is it a good use of time? And, and the answer for me was yes, because I knew that I would be in a place that I loved, which was Latin America. I knew I would be able to be speaking a lot of Spanish. I knew I would be meeting great people. I knew I would be hearing about social impact entrepreneurship. And I, and I had a feeling that some amazing things would come of it. Now, some cool things have come, financially nothing yet, but I do think that it will happen. But, it's, but I'm okay, even if nothing financially happens for me eventually, I'm okay with it because of those pluses. So I think that you have to uh, assess risk in a sense of like, what am I willing to gain if I lose everything? And is that worth it for me? That's, mm. that's essentially how I, I look at it. Yeah, no, I appreciate the example for sure. And it's, I didn't realize, I mean, obviously I've been up to speed with the initiative, but like hearing a little extra detail around that, um, just really inspiring that you've you know been able to commit and serve in that kind of way. Um, what I heard from kind of that description of risk is interesting. I think there's kind of two elements. The first thing you touched on is the strain, you know, so it's like the day-to-day -day energy, the ways that you're put out of your way, how is that affecting you and your mental health, your well-being, your quality of life, your standard of living, right? So like, that's the first kind of side of it. Then the second side is the outcome. So if this were to go or spin a certain way, like, where does that leave me? And am I okay with that result? You know, so quantifying risk, and this is me, I'm very logical, like you, I try and kind of think things and compartmentalize things as much as I can, so that there's kind of order to it. And those are the two kind of elements to risk that I heard. I, that's brilliant recap. And there's a third that I didn't mention, which is just like the whispers of the angels. Ah. And, I, and I'm, I, and I really believe in this one a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. There, there, you know, the things that you cannot quantify, the things that you cannot understand, you know, even the United the Americas project, it was, it was a whisper of the angels, but it was, it was pretty, you know, like quantifiable. I would be in these countries and I would be in front of these many, this many people and it would cost me about this much money, but there are other things, right. That are just like, whew. so I'll give you another example. So well, I, I spent 2020 in Uruguay and, and I was there, I was supposed to be there for a month. And then I ended up being there for the entire year, the airport closed. And then I stayed and I loved the country and I had a really positive experience. And about six months in, 
I had this feeling, which was, you should just write a love letter to the country of Uruguay. And there was no agenda. There was no agenda. There was nothing in my mind that I had planned. Nothing, zero. I was sitting in a cafe and it came down. And so I started to, to write and I started to write. And, and over the course of a couple of days, I wrote and wrote. And, and it, was, it, was, it was just the purest expression of my soul to date that I've been able to feel. And, and, and I left the cafe and I remember leaving the cafe, Brian, and this is crazy. I left the cafe. It was a night. It was, it was an August night and I left and I walked out and, you know, August there is their flip, right? So August there's winter, right? So it was cold and I was walking home and I just started to cry and I just literally became overwhelmed with gratitude, with emotion, with nostalgia, with so many feelings. And I started to cry, but what the, the tears were, were this, what you just did was something very special. What you just wrote was something very special and, and you need to publish it. And then I put it up on Facebook. I put it up on Instagram and I, and again, no expectations. And the next weekend I'm at a museum and uh, I, I look at my phone and all of a sudden I have like 65 new messages on Instagram. And then I look at my follower count and my, my, my followers are just like increasing by the hundreds and then by the thousands. And I just think to myself, what is going on here? And I read the messages in the DMs and it's like, I'm from Venezuela. I've been living here in Uruguay. What you wrote is the most beautiful thing I've ever read. I'm Uruguayan, but I live in Miami. I miss my country. You brought me home. And I'm just like, where are these people? Like what had happened was a couple of the biggest media outlets in, in Uruguay picked up the story and they started retweeting it and republishing it and rewriting it and putting it in their papers. And before I knew it, I had thousands of messages over the course of the next seven days, thousands. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I was, and then CNN Espanol did a story about me. And, and, and then I realized that this, that this whisper has been happening for years. I wrote a, a story on Forbes about five years ago called why everyone should live in New York city. It was a love letter to New York city went totally viral. Uh, I wrote a story about Armenia. With, I went to Armenia with George Clooney a few years ago, went totally viral. I, I did a story about Peoria, Illinois, so I realized that the, that the, 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 the universe, the whispers, the angels, whatever you want to call it, were all kind of like hitting me over the head saying, when you write love letters to the world, people respond. That is a perfect example of, you know, I took a risk by publishing that. I took a risk by having CNN come to my home. I took a risk you know, and I took a risk by starting a Patreon. I took risks. But that risk was zero quantified. That risk was zero about my personal stress from a day-to-day -day life. That risk was simply and purely because when I write, my soul expresses itself. And when my soul expresses itself, it's rewarded by people in the world that resonate and that bring them some peace or some hope. And, and it's something that I want to do more of. So that's another third piece of the risk-taking puzzle. Oh, yeah. And if you can get an understanding of that third piece, if you can really listen to your soul, if you know when things are conspiring for you and you you feel that pull to take action, you do so. Like, it's just, there's nothing like it. And and your, your writing is phenomenal, right? So it's, it is, yeah, of course. But it's, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read all of those love letters and it just like, it really is moving in a, a unique way, you know? And again, that's kind of you just taking that third element, you know, sure risk. I put myself out there. What are people going to think? But your soul knows what people are going to think, you know, just kind of bringing it together. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know, what's cool too, is that I do think that we know, 
we, we all know, we all know what our soul needs. Like yeah. we all know. And it comes in different waves. For me, it comes, it, it can come quickly and, 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 and intensely and in a way that you simply cannot deny. And in some cases it comes in pieces, you know, and, and then you felt, oh, okay. If, and, I, and, and I think that there's value in this idea of yes, but not now. Hmm. It's like, yes, and wait. And I really believe in this concept. And this has happened to me over the course of my life, which is, it's a clear yes. Like it's a yes. Like it's a, I, I am sure. It's done already. Yeah. It's, it, but, but, but not right now. Right. And, and, and that's where the stillness comes in, you know, and because I, we only have so much bandwidth, but it is a yes. Like this thing of love letters to the world is going to be something really, really big you know, I just think that pe people should become more, more comfortable with this idea of like, yep, for mm -hmm. sure. And let's see. And that, and that's for me, kind of the fun, the dance of life. It's like, okay, I see you, you know, and it could be like a girl coming into your life or a guy coming into your life, or it could be, you know, a project or it could be a business or it could be a trip. It's like, I see you, I feel you. Let's see how this plays out. Let's see when we actually make this happen. And that is kind of special, you know? Yeah. And that's the law of attraction, like in action, right? Because it's, it's you becoming that beacon for your future state, right? And it's you having that certainty around it, that it ends up just plugging in all of these pieces that you never expected would come into your life. And here they are boom in front of you because you're so certain about this thing happening. It's, it's wild how that all comes together. And you're right. It starts with those little whispers and it just listening and then, you know, pursuing and eventually the puzzle pieces start putting themselves together. I, I could talk to you forever and I'm sure we will for, for years and years to come. Um, but, but Brian, I mean, I, I just love the way your brain thinks. I love the way that you can tell stories around these kind of abstract concepts. And I'm just a, a huge fan of your work and, and your existence and everything that you exude. So thank you for being of service and being the man that I look up to so fondly and uh, wow. just for being, for being a homie. Feeling is mutual, man. I love you and I uh, appreciate you and all you do for the world. And, and my, my greatest, hope for everybody in humanity is that you find and create a beautiful, magical life uh, on your terms and however that looks. So give yourself that gift because it's totally worth it. Amen. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. There you have it, Brian Rashid. I hope you get a feel for everything that he's about. The sky really is the limit for someone like that. As for this conversation, we covered a few different topics. First was talking about your voice and how it actually involves the energy your being is putting out and not just the words you're saying. Effective communication is felt, not heard. Then we talked about stillness and the power of giving yourself a pause to avoid taking unnecessary action. And then we finished up talking about risk and the three legs of the stool, the strain it would put on your life, the implications of the potential outcomes, and the faith you have about it being the right thing for you in the moment. Brian referenced his Love Letters to the World project, and he has a Patreon page that I support, and if you miss home or want to reconnect with your roots in a nostalgic way, I recommend you give it a try as well. The link to sign up for that is in the description of this episode. Step back and acknowledge yourself for taking this opportunity to learn and grow. You're doing everything right. You're putting in the work and making good decisions. Keep at it and the rest will flow. We're back at it again tomorrow. Thank you for listening 
and I'll see you then on Self-Improvement Daily.